and welcome to Model View Conversation, America's premier tech education podcast. I'm Brian Gates. And I'm Ben Kogi. And we're here to talk to you about a subject that's near and dear to my heart at the moment, starting a new job off right. I have a new job starting on Monday. So basically, Congratulations. thank you very much. This is uh, Ben and I giving me advice, and then you all yes. get to listen into it. There you go, right? I mean, let's be honest. This show is is at least part therapy for us. That's mostly, mostly. And also, um, Grammar Nerd has just uh, raised its hackles in, in the back of my mind. Ben and me giving me advice. I regret There we go. I regret the error earlier. And actually, we could start out maybe with uh, some advice from Ben, because you have fairly recently gone through this transition of starting a new job. When, when was it? Abe? I have. So April 1st, April, is when I that's, my right, that's right. Job at Lambda School. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I transitioned out of my job uh, on the 15th of March um, and then into this new one on April 1st. So I actually did that on purpose to kind of give myself a little bit of time off, mm-hmm. uh, which is nice. That's what's one nice thing. If you can orchestrate that, it's always a good thing to do to maybe, you know, give your your old employer your two weeks and then give your new employer maybe four weeks. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that kind of thing. Because um, then you can give yourself a little bit of a time off, time off in between. That's a, a little bit kind of a first world deal, right? I mean, not everyone has the luxury of being able to say, I just want to spend two weeks not doing anything, not getting paid by anybody. But oh my gosh, if you can, if you can arrange for it, you know, I, I went into the job negotiation thinking, well, I'll just finish at the one place, start in the next place, preferably within the same hour, right? Just seamlessly. Like have have the two computers next to each other, just <laughs> slide one over and start typing away. Uh, yeah. But as it worked out, I I had a week in between, and I went into that week thinking, hey, I have a week all to myself. Imagine how productive I can be around the house. And oh boy, did I did I nap a lot this week. Yes, yes. In my case, the two weeks was used because I I orchestrated that way because I was in the process of buying a house and getting married. Holy cow. Um, so I figured ah, I can squeeze all that in, in two weeks, right? <laughs> That's normal. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't. Uh, uh, the the wedding went off perfectly fine. No, no issues there. But the uh, the buying the house thing is a whole other story that is probably for another time. Uh, podcast um, it, unto itself. That's right. It did eventually happen. Uh, we were able to get the house, and it's all good. But uh, it it was there were some trials and tribulations there to get that worked out. Um, so uh, the time was not very relaxing <laughs> for me. It was it was pretty hectic, um, but. But still useful to have that time between. So yes, if you, of course, if you if you need to to jump right in, that's what you need to do. But if you if you can orchestrate a small break between, it's always good to kind of clear your head and and make uh you know make room in your brain for all these new things you're going to be learning um, when you get into this new job. Even if you're, uh, we can tell you even as seniors as well you know well seasoned engineers that have been around a while, um, there is definitely a learning curve with every job. It's not just yep. jump in like you said switch computers and start typing on the new computer no. and you're all set. There is there is onboarding that needs to happen and stuff like that. So I think maybe the first thing that would be good to talk about is in the first couple of days, you're probably going to be talking to lots of different people. They might, you know, you might have uh, companies do onboarding differently. Sometimes they'll do it as a group. Sometimes you'll kind of like move from person to person over the first couple of days and each person will show you a different aspect of the company or whatever. Um, I've also had occasions where I've been assigned a buddy so somebody, oh, they nice. just say like, hey, this person is your buddy for the next couple, next week or two. Um, if you have questions or whatever, please, please reach out to them um, and they can help you out. So uh, 
I've kind of had all different and I've also had like, welcome, here's your computer. End of list. Like that, right. that's all they're gonna do. Um figure everything else out yourself. In retrospect, this is probably something that we should add to the uh questions to ask your prospective employer. What is yes. onboarding like? And if yes, and if they say, hmm, on on hmm. onboarding, did you say? I've never heard that no. term. <laughs> It's like that's, getting on a boat, and then yeah, that's, that's a very big warning sign. If that's that's happening. red flag city right there. Um, so yeah, uh, it's definitely a good thing to ask. But let's assume that that the place that you're working at has a decent, has some kind of onboarding and, and is decent with it. So maybe the first thing to to worry about for on your side of things is making a good impression on the people that you talk to, whether it's one person or a whole group of people as they're helping you get onboarded. Um, making a good impression on everyone is always good, right? First impressions are important. And, and if you're, you know, you, you tend to stay at this company for a while, you want to make sure that you're, you're not coming off as some sort of, uh, you know, unlikable and unpleasant person to be around. Um, so what, what, uh, I guess maybe I could talk about the things that I did and then we could talk about the things that you plan to do. Um, yeah. On, you said Monday is when you start. Monday is when uh, you start. So I think it depends a little bit on whether the job is local or remote, like in person, right? Whether you're going to a, a building or something um, and, and working with people in person or if you're doing it remotely. Um, of course, in person is perhaps a little more stressful because they can see you yeah. all the time. And they can, you know, like it's just it's just more uh, the subtle things that you may do or not do might make an impact. Whereas uh, with a remote job, unless you're on the camera, right, unless you're talking to someone in a video chat or something, uh, or you're talking to them over, you know, text with Slack, they can't see or hear from you. So it's it, you can be a little more intentional with your um, your impression building. Uh, but either way, right? You want to just sort of be, I think, friendly, open, and and humble. I think are kind of the best aspects there, right? Make sure that people understand that you're nice to talk to and to be around. Um, that you are, um, you know, open to uh learning new things that that even that whether you're a junior or a senior right that you have you have a, a capacity to to um to understand new things and that you're open to learning them that you're not just like oh i know what i'm doing leave me alone i'll i'll figure this out uh it's always good to kind of show that you have that willingness to learn whether you're a brand new brand new employee a brand new developer or you've been around doing things for 20 years i i would i would add to that um likable and also professional you know, yes. because there's so many things, I think, especially if you're going to an in-person, uh, a physical location that can go wrong and, and derail that uh, impression. You know, anything from you didn't dress the way other people there dress, whatever that is. And that's useful to find out beforehand. Um, getting there on time, people are very, especially early on, very concerned about uh, punctuality and and um, I get the really those two, I think, are the, the big ones that I at least worry about. I don't know how you feel about these things. Yeah, I mean, it's it's in many ways, it's kind of similar to dating, right? You want to sort of yep. not you don't want to pretend to be someone else. That's not a good idea. But you also kind of want to be sort of on your best behavior in the first days yes. and weeks. Be yourself, um, but be your best self. But be your best self. And you can kind of, and again, we're not saying that like, well, once you've been there a month, you can just totally slack off and do whatever you want. Um, you always want to be professional. But I feel like I, the pressure is kind of on sort of at a, to an extra degree in the first you know, days and weeks and maybe even the first month. Um, and once they kind of get to know you and they understand your situation and everything – 
not saying that you should be unprofessional, but you can kind of relax a little bit, right? You don't have to be quite so, I'm 10 minutes early and I'm, you know, and I'm wearing a tie today. Like you don't have to be quite be, be quite so, um, so very intentionally, uh, I don't know. Concentrate on it so much. Concentrate. Yeah. yeah. Right. You can, you know, be professional kind of in the typical way rather than being professional in that sort of extra special way that you do when you, when you're making new impressions on, on coworkers. And that's something that I think having a little bit of time in between jobs can help with a lot, um, especially for, uh, again, the physical location. And, you know, before I even had a job with a physical location, I remember years ago when the uh, the Ruby meetup was fairly early in, in Orlando and uh, Code School was having a, uh, they had kind of an open invitation. If you were a freelancer, you could come to their space, work for a day, check it out. And I thought I would do that. And I, I talked to Greg Pollock, the internet famous founder of Coach School, and arranged to come in. But what I didn't realize was that I was just not familiar with downtown Orlando at all. And and my experience of going to a place was informed by growing up in a small town where going meant you'd drive, you'd find a free parking lot, and then you'd walk half a block and there you were, wherever in town you were going, that was it. That was the size of the place. And there was no traffic between your home and the parking lot. And so you could just <laughs> count the number of miles and figure 30 miles an hour, how long will it take? And if you're in any kind of city, of course, that's ludicrous. You can't and you can't even say, well, I know how long it takes me to go for dinner at 7.30 p.m. And therefore, nine in the morning, I know it's going to take exactly that long. Uh, so in subsequent jobs, when I had uh, cause to go to downtown Orlando, I was careful the week before to drive to the location at the same time of day that I was going to have to drive to location and really plan out how long will this take and therefore what time do i need to leave in the morning so that i can be 10 minutes early and make that good first impression yeah then those are the kinds of things you might not even think about right that that you're like well i'm just going to drive there and then or whatever and take the the bus or the train or whatever whatever kind of transportation that you need to take to get there and it'll all be fine um but yeah particularly for the first days and maybe even the first week or two Making that good impression is important, and so punctuality is very important, and and maybe even doing a dry run is, yes. is what you want to do, just to kind of ensure do a little rehearsal that that you you get that right, um, because like we said, first impressions are important, and you cannot make a second first impression. So right, right, you want to do what you can, do your just like we're counseling you in all other ways, right, to do your research and to be thoughtful and considerate about how you're approaching this career. This is one of those aspects, is even down to like how am I going to get there and how long is it going to take. And what am I going to wear when I get there? You know, because different companies have very different either formal or, uh, well, I was going to say informal dress codes, but kind of not written down, like just cultural sort of norms for how people uh, dress and comport themselves. And it's worth asking that kind of question. You know, get on uh, an email to somebody in HR, maybe, or somebody you interviewed with after you have the job, probably, but before the first day to find out, hey, is this business casual or is it more everybody's wearing a cat t-shirt or is it you need a suit like are are pants required can you wear shorts do you are like what what's the shoe situation you know what uh you know some some places are like uh, shorts tank top and some flip-flops that's all i need right not not as long as you're covering yourself we don't really care right um but other places are more formal some you know like well Jeans are okay, but you can't wear shorts. Or oh, jeans are not okay. You got to wear at least like dress slacks. 
uh, you know, tie optional. I mean, my, when my dad first started uh, as a programmer in the late 80s, he wore a three-piece suit to work. Yeah. To to sit in a cubicle and program in front of a computer and not talk to people. Like, I don't understand what the point of that was, but but at the time, that was the cultural norm, and that's what he had to do. And probably there are still places like that. And on the other extreme, I know of reputable development shops, at least in Florida, where shoes are kind of take it or leave it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So... It, it just depends on the on the culture that's been established at the company, and and that's something that you want to ask. You and you don't even really want to look at people's dress when you're at the interview as a way like this is how it is because it could be that you caught them on a casual Friday and they're wearing jeans and a t-shirt, but normally they wear slacks and a and a fancier shirt and a tie or or a jerk a dress or a skirt or something, right? They they don't um you you can't take just what you see that one day necessarily as being the norm. So. Asking is always a good thing to do, and and I think there's you should you shouldn't get any pushback from that. That no, should be a, a typical kind I of can't question. Imagine. Um, and uh, and they should and they should have an answer. Also, that's the other thing is like if they are real wishy washy about it, it's like, well, do you have a dress code or not? I mean, it, this should be a fairly straightforward question. So those are all things to to think about. And you want to make sure because violating that norm in either direction makes you kind of stand out. You'll feel a bit uncomfortable if everybody else is in a suit. You come in wearing like surf gear then that's a little strange. If everyone right. else is barefoot and you come in in a suit, they're going to think you're a narc. So you want to just be careful and try to blend in. Right? Everybody's more comfortable as part of the herd. Yeah, the the typical thing to do is to like dress slightly better than everyone else for an interview. Um, but when you're just going in as an employee, you, like you said, you kind of just want to blend in. I don't, you know, I'm already going to stick out cause I'm the new person. Right. I don't want to, I don't want to also stick out cause I'm, you know, wearing a, a cat t-shirt when everyone else is wearing a suit or, or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's, that's an, it's an important thing to do is just to kind of, uh, think about how you're going to present yourself in those first days and weeks so that you ensure that you make a good impression on people. Um, and that, you know, people will see you as a reliable and, uh, you know, thoughtful person to, to go to. Um, because even though you're brand new and you're just starting out, eventually you're going to be a resource for other people. And you want to make sure that people feel like they can come to you uh, as a resource and, and ask you questions and stuff. So moving on from there, um, I think the next kind of biggest uh, th- uh, sort of social interaction that you might have, aside from sort of your general coworkers and the people that work at your company, is your manager, the person that you will be reporting to, person that manages you and kind of helps guide you in your uh, in your career, at least at the company. Um, so there is interacting with that person. But I think the way that you phrase it in the topic list is perfect. It's managing your manager. Um, how do you do that effectively, right? Um, and, th- and this is going to vary very w- it's widely based on um, how your manager is as a manager, right? If they are very hands-on or very hands-off or uh, that kind of thing. So, um, and of course, when you go from job to job, maybe you loved your manager, maybe you hated your manager at the previous the previous company, but this is an opportunity to, to establish a new relationship with a new person uh, or maybe potentially even people if maybe you are in a situation where you've worked a different you know, multiple people or whatever. Uh, so what do you, how have you approached that in the past and, and how has that worked for you to, what, what strategies have you employed to kind of make sure that that experience is halfway decent? Because a lot of times it can, it can not be that great. Uh, if you, 
unless you take an approach to try and you know make it better. Right. And the reason that I put it on the list is because I really haven't had an intentional strategy in the past. And so sometimes it, things have turned out great because of how the other people are. And sometimes it really hasn't been anything good. <laughs> right. And I would like to make it good this time. And so I feel I need to put effort into making that happen. Have you had intentional strategies yourself as you get to new places and deal with new management? Yeah, um, I would say no. In at least at least in the earlier part of my career, um, I was under the very false assumption that if you sort of put your head down, do hard work, and and not complain and and be a team player, that you will be automatically rewarded for those efforts. <laughs> I know, oh, right? silly Golki. What a what a what a simple naive person that I used to be, um, and I'm sure still am in some ways. But uh, but I, I I learned after lots of hard work going essentially unrewarded um that that is not a good strategy so uh i i started to employ a um a process of trying to more actively manage my career myself right that it's not going to get managed for me i need to do that myself um and part of that i think is is managing your manager and playing the game a little bit and trying to understand what they need and what they like and and how they how they want you to work and how um and and in what ways you can showcase your work so that it will get noticed. That's really an important thing um, because if you can, I think if you can keep your manager happy within reason, of course, right? I'm not saying to completely bend over backwards, but um, uh, if you can, if you can do the work that you want to do and you like to do, and you can also showcase that work in a way that makes it um, obvious to your manager and to others, uh, that tends to lead to a more successful outcome for you in your career, right? It leads to opportunities and stuff like that. So um, that's really what I tried to employ probably starting around, mm, I would say like in the 2014 or so range was the job I had before the Iron Yard. Um, tried to be a little bit more hands-on and, and, and active with that relationship building. Um, and then when I started at the Iron Yard, you know, we had, it was, a, a, I think when I started, we were, when you started, we were probably at like, I don't know, 35, maybe for the whole 35 company. employees. And I think I was probably maybe like 40, 45. I was, I was hired on fairly shortly after you were. So it was very small. Um, we were a startup and it was very flat. Um, and there wasn't a lot of hierarchy. Um, and, uh, you know, you could just DM the CEO and it wouldn't be a big deal. Um, so uh, I tried to be a little more intentional with both making sure that everyone that was I worked with, you know, was happy with my performance and that I was doing the right kind of thing. Um, and then also make sure that it was clear to anyone who wanted to know that I was ready and willing to take on more responsibility whenever uh, it was, you know, became available. Right. And I think that's something you did a lot better there than I did. I think I was still in that mindset of, well, I'll just I'll do my assigned duties uh, to the best of my ability and it will be noticed and et cetera, et cetera. And you figured out that the people that we needed to impress are busy people. And so if you're if you're going to draw their attention to your work, you really need to reach out and say, hey, here's what I'm doing. And if you would like other things done, I can I can do other things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I think, a really a really good tip is to try and just make don't be annoying, right? Don't like annoy right, your boss with right. here's all the things I'm doing today. Yeah. Like that's that's not good. Five paragraph um, to... email summary every day at four. <laughs> every day, right? No. Yeah, I'm not gonna no one's gonna read that. Um so uh you need to be sort of intentional and and somewhat sparing with this, but but if you can do it in a way where it seems 
uh, you want it to be sort of as natural as possible. You don't want it to be forced. Um, but if you can do that, if you can showcase your work uh, in a way that, and this in this case, we're talking about this example specifically about the Iron Yard. We were kind of two things at once. We were both a local in-person kind of job that had a very large remote component because we had you know five six people on the staff at the campus locally that we we physically went to every day um and and worked but then we also had the rest of the organization which was remote to us right we had people in all over all over the the country in different campuses and then we had like the main headquarters in in south carolina and so you know we're in florida right so like it was both local and remote so i kind of had to you know, interact with all of you, the coworkers and people that, that help manage the campus, and then make sure that also I was kind of interacting with the remote side of the company um, as well. And that's that's the same. It's actually most, it's now completely remote <laughs> for me at, at Lander School since we're a remote company. Um, it's just me in my home office at home. I don't go anywhere anymore. Um, and so all of that effort is all done. You know, it's all remote. Um, so like, for me, my manager is someone who lives in a different state and we talk over Zoom and, you know, video chat and stuff like that. Um, so I have to be, again, more intentional about making sure that it's clear what I'm working on and what questions I have and that kind of stuff. Um, and for you, actually, starting on Monday, you're going to be a fully remote employee again, if I recall correctly. That is correct. Although I I think like you will have at least a couple days of in-person interaction. And you've been to Lambda world headquarters right uh so i ha- I haven't been to the our headquarters are in san francisco and i haven't been there but i have been to uh, utah where we have kind of like our second headquarters it's basically it's okay. the next largest office that we have um so and there's a large contingent of lambda people there um so i have been there twice now um in the, since i've been working there since april um and so yeah i've had uh some you know limited but but definitely had in-person interaction with people uh, like my boss and my colleagues and stuff, they they flew our team out there to do some some uh, sort of training, brainstorming, stuff like that. So um, yeah, that that has happened, uh, and that was great. It's always great to to get to do that. And in fact, in about two weeks, I'm going to be with everyone. We're going to be in uh, in LA uh, for a couple of days at our all hands retreat. So once a year, they bring everyone in the whole company to one spot apparently last year before i started here they did it in tampa so that would have been <laughs> able to i could just drive there right um but this year they're doing it in in uh newport beach i think is where Ooh. it is so i've never been there it should be interesting um but uh we're gonna get all together as a, as one large company um last year it was like 40 employees i think last december this year it's gonna be like 160 that's how that so goes we've had- We've had some intense growth this year. Um, but anyway, it's always good to, to get together in person and, and work those things out. Uh, and it gives you that a, a different sort of modality, right, for interacting with your boss, with your colleagues, and, and, and making an impression and, and managing, managing your relationship with those people so that they know who you are and what your deal is and, and what you're contributing to the company. Um, something like my biggest piece of advice really would be that is not technical to anybody listening for a, a junior that's starting out is actively manage your career by managing your relationships with your coworkers and your manager and anybody else in the company um, to, to make it clear that you're, uh, you know, what your contributions are, why you're important. And, uh, you know, and, and if you have desires that go beyond your current job, that you make that, uh, you know, not annoying, but you make that clear that you're ready and willing to take on additional responsibility and, you know, additional, um, tasks and stuff to to 
increase your value to them. Yeah, I think that's a really good advice. I, I worry a little when we talk about these things that just managing your career by like influencing other people at any anytime we get into making other people think a certain way, I, I feel like we're is suggesting something almost illicit or unethical. And I know that that's not at all what either of us means, but it's just that these people, the people in management, uh, have a limited amount of attention to put on things. And if they can really get to know you more fully, then they're more likely to have some of that precious attention directed your way so that uh, they can keep you in mind when different opportunities and things come up. Yeah. I mean, I've been a manager in different capacities at different, at different, uh, position, you know, different companies. Um, and it is, it is shocking how you can go from being what they call an, an individual contributor, which is someone who basically works on a team or works by themselves and, and contributes in an individual way to being someone who kind of actively manages a group of other people. Um, it is amazing how quickly you can find like, wow, I have no time for anything. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's just I'm, you know, my whole um, my whole day is kind of already been, you know, scheduled out like in the sense that people are literally putting appointments on your calendar without telling you first and 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 that kind of i mean that's frowned upon and shouldn't be done but like (laughs) it does happen occasionally right where they're like i need you in this thing okay cool let's go let's go do that um so uh it is certainly the case that that as a manager it is not always super easy to to make sure that you give time to everyone um, and equal amounts and that you give them an equal amount of attention. So one of the signals that is useful is to kind of see who is, is interested and ambitious in getting that attention. Um, and so this is what I'm talking about on the other side, right? As an individual contributor, you want to try to professionally and politely and thoughtfully sort of try to grab your manager's attention so that they can see what you're, you know, they can get to know you better, right? And they can understand you more and and therefore you will, uh, you know, hopefully what you want is you want to, you want to be top of mind um, when when decisions are being made that might, uh, that might allow you to grow in your position. It'd be nice for you to be top of mind when those decisions are being made because it just kind of gives you a little bit higher chance that they might decide, Maybe Ben is the one for the job. Maybe maybe Brian is perfect for this for this role. And I know that because of the relationship that I've built with Brian. And that's largely because Brian has initiated that. Like again, you kind of have to you have to sort of aim up, right? Yes. At the at the managers yes. that you work with. Yes. And I think part of that, the the in person interaction, it's I think it's weird to me, and I bet it's weird to you too, that that means so much because I think we're both kind of uh on the spectrum enough that we feel like just text <laughs> text on the page ought to do as well as actual human interaction and that's just not the case even for us much less you know more normal kind of people and uh, at the same time i i bet you would agree that in any all hands kind of meeting any big group of people really any big group of people you know, whether it's in the company or not uh, that's a very daunting experience for for you and for me and for a, a, a lot of developers and probably a lot of our audience uh, it always turns out to be great fun, right? Every all hands thing we've been to because you're in the company of like-minded people and everybody is kind of rooting for each other and have common interests and stuff. But at the same time, it, it can be scary and sort of draining. So are there things that you've done to sort of gear up for these meetings beforehand? 
yeah so i guess just try to to remember those things that, that everyone is there kind of for a common purpose we have common interests we we are rooting for each other um those those thoughts i think can be useful to help kind of stem some of the anxiety you might have about it otherwise um because walking into a room of 100 complete strangers is to me sounds fairly terrifying so um <laughs> so and i and i'm not good at small talk i'm not good at, at at that kind of thing so i don't really have very many tools in my toolbox to um to make that fun for me and then you also don't drink alcohol so you don't have the the crutch right. that so many people rely on to make themselves forget how nervous they are yeah yeah i don't drink so it doesn't it definitely that is that is definitely it sounds like that is a useful tool in some cases and i, I don't have i again don't have that tool in my toolbox either so um anyway uh i, I find that kind of remembering those things right that 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 is it's it's a group of strangers right a lot of people i probably have never met before maybe have not even didn't even realize they worked here right i mean again it's a remote company if we're talking about the lambda retreat that's happened in a couple of weeks um we've had an insane growth and and i can't keep track of everyone that we've hired i'm sure that nobody can um and so not only am i going to be meeting people in person for the first time that i do sort of know through slack and through video chats um but i will also be meeting people that are complete total strangers to me it's like oh okay what do you do at lambda right? like i just have like no idea who you are uh, before uh, we meet so um that again all by itself would be fairly daunting of a task so what i try and do is i try and remember well we have something in common we all work at the same place we're all on the same mission together to to change education and and we all hopefully are here because we want to be and because we're excited about what we're doing um and therefore Hopefully the experience should kind of be positive already before we even start it, right? Before the it even has begun, it should be a positive um, experience. And it will only become more positive from kind of learning who the people are and what their stories are and, and, and what they do at Lambda and how they contribute and all those things. Um, so that's kind of a, a reassurance that I give myself before going into those things. Um, and then the other thing that I make sure to do is to not, uh, not do everything. <laughs> so I am... As an introverted person, I that kind of interaction is is fun but draining in many ways. So I I very intentionally do not engage in every activity because I know I need some sort of separate time uh, to just sort of like relax and and refuel a little bit on my sort of social battery, like we talked about a couple episodes ago, right? Um, so there are some there's some stuff happening on Sunday that we're doing uh, that's more of a social from a social aspect. I'll probably engage in some of it and then kind of intentionally not. I mean, as long as no one cares, not engage in other things. Maybe just hang out for a little bit by myself or or off with a smaller group um, to try to to refuel a little bit for whatever remaining activities there are, so that uh, I have that you know that steam built up again, so that I can keep going with with the event. So. I, I've learned to kind of temper my uh, my interaction um, so that there's less of it, but it is more meaningful to me and to everyone else. No one wants to have a cranky, tired Ben around right, who right. doesn't really want to be there and is not excited to talk to you. And it's like, I don't want to do that. That's Again, that doesn't make a good impression. So I, I know that about myself, that I won't be able to just go, 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 go the whole, way, the whole time. Um, so with that in mind, I will try to carve out some 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 separate time that is just for me that I can use to kind of re recharge. 
Yeah, that's a very reasonable approach because you're right. No one will be impressed by someone who has like logged all the hours at the events. And you can always tell, oh yeah, that guy was there the whole time, standing in the back corner with his you know back turned to the crowd and just uh, not interacting with anyone. But he was there. You're a lot better off just ha have a nap. You know, uh, be between like the main event of the day and maybe there's like dinner and then drinks. Uh, have a nap, get Uber Eats, and maybe go out for drinks after. That's fine. No one will complain about that. I feel like um, for many years, that was how I felt about things. I I think I might be a little bit less introverted than you, but also because I'm a lot older than you are, I've, uh, I've gotten to the point where I just don't care how I come across <laughs> right, to people, yeah. which... You know, good news for our younger listeners is as you get older, you just you care less about things. And so the a lot of the, the kind of uh, social nervousness that I remember in my youth has gone away because as you get older, you just care about less and less. And eventually you, you don't care about having a pulse and then that's it. So I I do still feel the uh, the drain, though, when you're when you're just interacting with people. A lot of fun. Wouldn't miss it. Um does put me in a near coma. So I think the way I'm going to deal with it, I have my first kind of all hands slash holiday party next month is to try to rest up beforehand and then really try to, if I can make it and, and feel like I'm on for the whole time, go to everything because I've built up some reservoir beforehand. I know if I tried to treat it as a normal day, that will kill me. But if I can kind of adjust to my energy level, um, by by storing up i think i'll be all right yeah i think that's a good strategy as well i think either either one i think could could work well um i know that i'm not really going to have time for that because i'm basically teaching up to the day that i fly out to, oh, well, <laughs> to then, california nope. so n not really much opportunity to to store up a reserve beforehand but um but i think both strategies are perfectly reasonable and if that's what you need to do to to make sure what well, really because the goal is to make uh, quality, you know, to provide quality interaction for you and for everyone else. Yes. Um, that's the whole point. So, uh, so however you need to do that, I think is what you need to, you know, whatever strategy works for you is the is one you should employ. Right. I think that's a great way to look at it is not look at the itinerary that they give you and say, the goal is to have attendance and, you know, a, a butt in the seat at everything. The goal is exactly to have good interactions with as many people as much of the time as I possibly can. Right. I mean, because that's if we're talking about like an all hands retreat where they where they flying everyone out to one spot for a couple of days, that's what they want. They, they you know, not that we don't have good interactions normally day to day, but but being having them be in person kind of concentrates your ability to to up the ante on the quality of the interaction. Um, and so that's what they want. They want quality interactions. We're, ha we're actually having on the Saturday, the uh, second day of the retreat, we're doing a, a, a hackathon in the morning um, where we're going to kind of go into teams and then work on various aspects of the company's tooling and stuff that could use some use some help um, and that we just don't really have a ton of time to to put that kind of concentrated effort on uh, during the day to day so I think that's that's a great example of something that we can we can really do effectively together that we can't as effectively do when we're all spread out across the whole country um, so again quality over quantity now, on the other hand, uh, we've both had experience working in person with people where you you see everybody every day, and so you don't need that kind of concentration. Um, 
what kind of things can you do to um, to make the best impression on the people who are going to be there with you in the building Monday through Friday? Yeah, so I think uh, gen generally punctuality is good. <laughs> I mean, if, you don't have to be quite so strict about it, maybe as you would during your first week or two. But um, you know, being available when people need you is super useful. I've I've had occasion where. Uh, I needed someone for something and they're just sort of unavailable for no obvious. It's like they should be here and they should be available, but they're just not for some reason. And, you know, once or twice is no big deal. But if that becomes a pattern, it's like Ben Neverett is like never available whenever I need him. Right. And that's that's not a not a good impression. So some keeping in mind um, uh, that that is important, that people are going to rely on you and you want to be available um, for those needs, whatever they are. Um, and then when you need to not be there, that's fine, but maybe make that relatively clear, right? Like I, you know, like it's, I'm not advocating that you shouldn't take vacation or you shouldn't take a day off or, or you shouldn't go to lunch. I'm just saying that, that you want to be someone, uh, who is reliable, um, for help. Uh, and when you are unavailable, that, that is relatively clear so that people don't go, where'd Ben go? Like, what you want it you want them to say is oh ben's at lunch or ben it took the day off today or ben is on vacation or whatever right that's that's fine i'm i'm in fact you should do that but uh but it shouldn't be a mystery is i guess i guess is my right my point right right i think being available to people is uh, essential but it doesn't have to be continuous and it, even during a day if there's a day that you're there and you've already eaten or have not eaten yet if it, your work pattern is such that you really do best if you have two hours of uninterrupted focus during the morning, then um, make that clear to your team that, hey, listen, I'm just going to have slack off until lunchtime. And that's the way I work best. And, you know, if anybody has a problem with it, we can step outside. No, OK, not that last part. <laughs> but but being available doesn't have to mean you're like on call for the entire time even during work hours you can you can carve out time to just focus on things that's the only way that we can get most work done in our field yeah yeah focus is really really important and so you want to make sure that you that you uh, give yourself time to do that and as long i think as long as you make it clear that's what's going on then that's really all that you need to do i'm not i'm not asking you to sort of bend over backwards to to shout at people and say i'm not available right now but but just just make sure that um because i've had various situations with various people in my co my working history where they're just sort of vaguely non-specifically unavailable for 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 different amounts of time and you're just like what happened to this <laughs> where yeah, did they go like yeah. and and it's and it's not like a huge deal but at the same time it's you know it can be where I need an answer for this. Like I'm blocked, right? I right. can't actually move forward without an answer. And you're the one to provide the answer. And you're, you're just sort of non-specifically unavailable. There's um, an open comment on a pull request left on Monday and there it is Thursday. And what are we doing? Right. And so that's the, not the kind of person you want to be, right? You don't want to be that kind of person where you're just people like if people, what you want is when a completely disinterested third party comes you know, walking by your area and asks a random person that works with you sort of a general impression of you as a worker, what you want them to say is like, yeah, he does his, he does his work. He shows up, he's reliable. He's, I, when I have questions, he answers them. Like you want to be very like, um, I'm not trying to say unimpressive, but you want to be very sort of go with the flow 
people can get answers when they need them and and you're not causing a ruckus right like that's that's what you that's what you want from from uh any random coworker to tell some other completely undisinterested third party right like someone who's just kind of cruising by that's what you want um ideally what you want is you want them to be like they're great right i mean what yeah. you want is you want like a, a better than average but you want to at least have uh, a, a reputation for reliability and and i think um, that's kind of my biggest pet peeve i guess of coworkers that i've had i'm not mentioning any anyone in particular and 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 all my current coworkers are fantastic um but like people in my past there have been times where it's just like yeah i they're a fine person and they do their work and it's great but like i probably wouldn't recommend them for like if someone were calling me saying hey you know Brando person think? that yeah. you worked with before, were considering hiring him, him or her. What would you say about them? And I'd be like, yeah, you know, they did their work and they were fine. And they're like, would you recommend them? No, right? Like because because to me, uh, you know, rely, reliability is important. And and like I have a job to do. And if I don't, if I can't get the answers I need, then like that's a that's a problem, right? So that's probably my biggest um, my biggest concern. What what would yours be? What what would you? What's kind of your number one? Uh, desirable uh, coworker trait. Oh boy, that's a great question. Um, reliability is is essential. I think other things. I don't, I don't know if I can grab just one. Um, uh, availability to answer questions, which I think is a little different from reliability, because you might have someone who's around and is either incapable of answering because they don't have the the knowledge in in an area that they really should, um, or just uh, unwillingness to take the time to, to answer things can be a problem. Um, let's see. Um, yeah, the, the other things in that sort of general area, approachability, you know, someone who, who the I think the ideal coworker is somebody who is not just reliable and willing to answer a question, but available for occasional um, deeper looks at things. You know, if there's a part of the code base the other person understands better or uh, a particular technology they're more versed in, are they willing to take 15 minutes, half an hour or something, and either get on a call or sit down next to you and help you work things out without making you feel like uh, you're wasting their time? Right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a big one, right? Is yeah, I can answer your questions on Slack or I can, if you come ask me a question, I'm like, okay, here's the answer. But if, but if, uh, if you're also willing to, you know, to give that extra time to really help someone understand something deeply, I mean, in theory, that means they're not going to come ask you again, which is always right. nice. So it's a good thing for you to do if you're the one giving the answers, if you can sometimes give people a more nuanced, uh, understanding of something, in theory, that means that they, you know, you won't hear that question again from them, which is, which is always good to kind of not just give someone the answer, but kind of like teach them the knowledge that they need to be able to solve that problem now and in the future, which is nice. Uh, and so having that as a resource, I think is, is definitely a, a great, great thing to have if, if, you know, if you have coworkers like that. And I think also just general demeanor, I think can't be overstressed because if you have someone who is knowledgeable and is willing to work with you on things and is also just depressed and bitter about everything all the time yeah yeah it's no good yeah right? then, you, then you don't even if you need a question answered you kind of like have to to 
drag yourself into the presence of this little cloud of gloom. Right. Yeah. You don't want to dread, you know, going to answer, An going to get somebody. an answer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's no good. So, and that means you don't want to, you ideally don't want to be that person, right. Where everyone's like, Oh man, Ben's just like such a bummer. Like, <laughs> right. And obviously nobody can be happy all the time. Well, some people can, we certainly cannot. And there, there can be things in your life that just are difficult to deal with for a while. But uh, I found it's surprising to me how much you can talk yourself into being in a good mood, usually. And, and that can really make a positive effect on other people and, and make them uh, just enjoy your presence more. You know, little things I remember, uh, again, going back to the Iron Yard, we had a co-worker who uh, started a random Slack channel with uh, kind of a Friday challenge each week. You remember that mm -hmm. guy? Yeah. And it was little things like uh, take a song title and replace it with a Star Wars character or just weirdo little things like that. And would always get a good response. You know, 30 or 40 people out of a, a hundred some person company would jump in and uh, and kind of brought us closer together. gave us a couple of minutes of giggling around the office. And it's not a lot of effort you know, for the person coming up with these things, but, um, but just makes everybody feel a little bit better and you can be that person. You, yeah, you can be that person. So I think that's a perfect segue into, uh, how do you set yourself up for success outside of the work hours, which, which would, which would, uh, I think lead to you being happier at your job. If you're happier when you're, you know, uh, not at your job. So what are maybe some ways to kind of help you, help ensure that you are that happy, you know, reliable, responsible and available person at your job. Um, what what things can you do outside of work that will, you know, fill you in other ways to allow you to be that person? Oh, boy, that's interesting. You're you're taking this topic in a, a different direction than I had in mind. So we'll get to cover both. Uh, I, I think especially for remote people, but also for people uh, going to an office, Having a nice, a pleasant home environment is really important. And I say that because I'm looking over my monitor while we're recording at just a, a pile of books and there's like a grocery store plastic bag on this kitchen table. And it's just a mess. And it's kind of been a mess for months now. And that just wears on you a little bit. You kind of don't notice. And so I'm looking forward to taking this weekend and just straightening everything up. And oh, my mother would be so proud that the, the house... It's going to look nice. And so just being in it, I think, is going to be less stressful for me. That's one thing. How do you feel about that one? Yeah, I think that's that's surprisingly important. You wouldn't think it would really matter that much. And and maybe to some people, it really doesn't matter, right? I mean, I've you can certainly imagine uh, home environments that are messy and people I've, don't care. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, fine, right? I've tried to not care. Right. But but it, I think it does wear on you in ways that you may not even – that may not be obvious or that you may not notice. Um, and so having a tidier home space is, is good. Um, and I think that also bleeds into if you do work from home, if you are a remote worker, having a particular, for me, having a particular spot to go, um, that is more businessy, right. That is, that it kind of puts me in business mode is good for you. We talked about this before. You are very much kind of able to context switch if you've used like literally the computer you're using kind of helps you decide whether you're sort of at yes. home tinkering or you are at work working. Yes. Um, and for me, it is for some reason more 
location based. Um, so like I we're currently in my home office where I where I work uh, every day, and I also it's also my podcast studio. So um, so that that's when I come in here. That's kind of typically what I'm going to do. I'm either going to work on my jobby job stuff, or I'm going to work on this, which is uh, you know which is also work in a sense. It's it's super fun, and I I literally love doing it. That's why we do it. But um, but it is still kind of more work mode for me. And so that's that's why I like coming in here and, and doing it in here because uh, it kind of helps me stay focused on those things. Um, and that also means that I kind of to, to go back to the topic we're talking about right now, which is how to manage your life outside of work to, to lead to you know more success um, in your career. I kind of intentionally try not to do work things not in here right so like in the rest of my house i try to keep that that's my house not my job so i you know i occasionally will bring my work laptop out in the living room if it's close to the end of the day and i'm just kind of gonna do a few more quick things and be done whatever um then i'll do that but in general i try to keep my work stuff in my office and i try to keep my home stuff in my home right like in i mean it's all the same building but like I, i try to keep them separate and i think that for me that works well to uh you know to make me more successful in both those roles right as a just a person in my life and as a as a professional in my job yeah i think i'm gonna experiment with that the the home office i have in my home is i think not in the ideal location just because of the way that that room is lit and so i've I've been reluctant to go in there it feels a little bit darker and uh, back when I was a backend developer, uh, everyone knows that backend people are happy just in a cave with no natural right. light at all. But now I'm a, a front-end person in JavaScript people. We're, we're, we live in the sunlight uplands of, of I, I see. I didn't realize that. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's a thing. The, uh, the, the uh, what am I trying to say? The tribes of, of different developers. Oh, yes, yes. And, and where they graze. <laughs> <laughs> So that's one thing is having the nice environment and having probably a particular environment and also um, routines, I think, are very. Oh, yeah. Both of us are big on the routines. And when you're starting a new job, that's kind of uh, crisis and opportunity, right? Because a lot of your your old (laughs) routines are going to be disrupted. Uh, if you had been used to going to a job in maybe in one part of town and you had other stuff, like maybe there was a grocery store next door or your gym was just down the street, whatever, and maybe now you're going to a job in a totally different location, you need to refashion some of those things. Yeah, the uh, particular lunch places that you like to go are yeah. going to be different. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I, and I've even had occasions where when I was transitioning from one job to another, that they were both commuting jobs. I was commuting to work in both cases. I've had times where I've like accidentally gone partially wrong... partially gone to the wrong place. And I'm like, this is not the right way to the new job. This is right. the old job. I need right. to turn around. Like, you know, so I, I've had the routines are strong and it's difficult to break them sometimes. Um, and you need to, you know, it's very disruptive. But like you said, it's also an opportunity to to build new routines, which either can be different and interesting in their own way or potentially can be like literally better right you can actually say like routine i had was fine but i can actually intentionally make a new routine that's actually that's better for me yes yes at at, you know at the iron yard we used to have the routine of going out to all the delicious downtown orlando restaurants yes oh i miss them and and putting on between the two of us like 75 pounds over the (laughs) the course of the three years that we worked there and and now uh we were able to change those routines and not uh kind of tempt each other 
We, we used to, one of us would always like bring in grilled chicken and vegetables and put it in the fridge. And then lunchtime, we'd have this moment of eye contact. We're like, you know, the other person is going to break, right? And then we're going out for Chinese food or to the taco place. And it, it always worked. Not once did the chicken and vegetables get eaten if there was the option to go out. And to be fair to you, I think I brought food in like, I don't know, half dozen times in time I worked there. <laughs> you were the one that was almost always bringing in healthy food. And I was like, oh, so but I, I'm I was the one who always the... broke. Yeah. And you were and you were like, oh, yeah, we're I'm leaving we're that in the fridge. <laughs> we're totally going to go. Yep. Yeah. So so it's an opportunity for you to to build new habits. Um, uh, and I think that can, you know, that can either be good or bad. But hopefully you're you're trying to build habits that will be more make you more productive and make you happier uh, in general, which makes you, I think, I feel like being happier in my regular life makes me happier in my job and vice Certainly. versa, right? Being, oh, yeah. Having having a good job makes you generally, I think, a happier person um, in your regular life. So Yeah. And having these habits, uh, I think it's not something generally that you can fall into. So it's it worth taking some time and really thinking about uh, how how do I want to have lunch? Do I want to have breakfast there at the job site, wherever the job site is? Do I need how much food do I need to take with me? What are, what are the storage options like? Uh, we're very food obsessed here on the program, so that's <laughs> yes. most of. You know, this is our is, new show coming out is, soon? It's all about food. <laughs> is, yes, is there is there candy available at the co working space across the hall? I remember that was one pleasant surprise, uh, but. It, What's what's my exercise routine going to be like? Uh, how is this going to affect my podcast listening based on the length of commute? Um, what's going to be the most convenient time to gas up the car? Or how early do I need to get to the train station? All of these things. Uh, it, it, it sounds like a lot. And for one for one moment in time, it is. But the good news is because it's a routine, you kind of think about it and you figure it out. And then you just... you have that routine and if you put thought in beforehand and if you get a routine that works it really can make your life a lot better yeah which which will bleed into into all aspects right it'll make you happier in general it hopefully will make you happier and more successful at your job uh it's it's just a, an opportunity to really uh you know reevaluate these things and and hopefully improve them in in probably both small and large ways um and just kind of improve your your station overall which is which is the whole goal, right, of getting, in general, I think, of trying to get a new job is to try and get a better job. And not just better in one or two aspects, but hopefully uh, something that will improve all kinds of different parts of your life. And, and that's, that's, that's the dream, right? Right. And going along with those ideas of, of reevaluation and uh, improving your job, that was really what I had in mind when I thought about uh, preparing yourself for success, was to, uh, to be intentional Every so often, and when I say every so often, I mean regularly, uh, have some time outside of work and plan out what do I want to get accomplished this week, uh, this month, this quarter, maybe this year. And in the same way that um, you'll have retrospectives at work, probably if you're working in an agile environment where people talk about what went well, what went poorly, what can we improve? You can do that just with yourself and figure out uh, what, what in this past week did go well, what did not, how can I improve my own processes and how, how will I know at the end of this next week, month, etc., that I have been successful, you know, give yourself tangible markers 
and then see how you hit those things and see how you have to adjust yourself in order to get where you want to go. Yeah, I love the idea of like using a retrospective, which is really useful in your job to evaluate maybe your own individual performance at your job and even things that are not your job, right? Like just sort of how did how did I how did it go this week as a person, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> and and what what went well, what went poorly, what can I improve on, all that kind of stuff. Right, right. It can, it can be really all aspects of life. And it doesn't have to be something you're like draining the life out of, but just ask yourself, you know, how well am I getting along with my family? Am I giving enough time outside of work to these relationships? Am I uh, spending as much time reading as I wanted to do? Am I spending too much time with the TV? Am I, you know, there are a lot of different things that you know you want to do well. And if you don't, kind of continually ask yourself, how am I doing, then you probably won't do as well as you could if you really thought about it. Yeah, if you're more introspective about kind of my performance and, and how I can improve on it to to make it better because I want it to be better, right? Like you said, these are things that you want to do more of or that you want to do at all or whatever. And if you don't, uh, I think if you don't take a more intentional approach to it, like you said, it's it's just going to continue being however it is now, which if you're not happy with that, then that's not likely to improve. And I know one thing that we want to be intentional about, dear listener, is not to monopolize your time. And I feel like we've uh, we've talked a good amount about these these topics. And uh, I hopefully I have enough advice to get me through the beginning of my new job. And Ben, I think you can take some of these pointers and and start applying For them sure. yourself. Yeah. And uh, I hope that the listeners will get equivalent or more value out of them themselves. And if they would like to get even more value out of, say, previous episodes, uh, tell us, Ben, where can listeners to this podcast go and what could they do for us? So everything you want to know about our show is available at mbc.fm. That's our website where you can find all of our episodes and listen right on the page. We have players for each one. You can check them out. We also have all the show notes that are everything we talk about in the episode. If there are links, things like that, we put those in the show notes, which are available there. We are available on pretty much every podcast outlet you can think of. So just search for Model View Conversation. You should find us. We are recently available on Spotify. So if you're a Spotify listener, if you have friends or family that use Spotify and think they could benefit from the show, tell them to look for us there. If you use iTunes or the podcast app to uh, listen to our show, please make sure that you give us a rating and review that really helps us out. And last but not least, we are available on Twitter for feedback at NBC Podcast. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you again soon.